Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Actor Paul Dano plays the Riddler in The Batman, which opens in movie theaters today. You'll hear my conversation with Dano later this episode, but first I tagged in my pal Travis Hobson of Punch Drunk Critics to see why this is his favorite Batman film yet. We are here with one of the best guys in the world, my friend Travis Hobson of Punch Drunk Critics, uh, who has seen The Batman, which is in theaters today, and uh, and it hits HBO Max, I guess, after 45 days. I think like April 19th or something. Like that, right? yeah. yeah. So, Travis, thanks so much for joining us, man. Of course, absolutely, man. You ask and I'll show up, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't say that for just anybody either. I only say that for a select few people you're on the list. So, All right. Well, yeah, right back at you. I, whatever you need, man. Um, but yeah, we, we go back, you know, years as, as DC critics. Um, but I wanted to have you on specifically. Of all the critics, local critics I could have had on, uh, I decided you would be the one go because... The best. The- you just wanted to go with the best, and I don't <laughs> Right. Uh, no, like, seriously, though, I, I saw your review um, and saying that you think it, it might be, you know, t- time will tell, as you said, but it might be right now in the moment you, what you call, like, the the maybe the best Batman movie that's been made. So I wanted to see why, you know, such high praise. I wanted to get into into that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, any any initial thoughts? I have some questions, I have specific stuff I want to ask, but any initial thoughts on that front? Like, what were you blown away at the screening? I'm totally blown away. Um, and look, like I said in my review, time is going to tell. It takes time and distance for these things. In, in all cases, I hate to be the guy who's like, best movie ever, like, raised you're walking out of the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't want to be that guy. But I know that I, while watching it, I was more excited watching this than I was for any other Batman movie that I've seen. And I've seen them all. Um, the only possible exception is like Mask of the Phantasm, which is like <laughs> the cartoon from like 20, 30 years ago, which is still amazing. Uh, that's like the only possible exception. But this was, but watching this one, I felt something that I hadn't felt for a live action Batman movie in, in a very long time, if ever. Um, about partially, wait, partway through it, I was talking to my colleague next to me and I was just like, this is amazing. And it was still like half the movie was left. And it was a three hour <laughs> movie. There's still like 90 minutes left. But it's just such a different take on Batman than other versions that we've seen. It's, I hesitate to even call it a superhero movie. I don't even really want to call it that. It's, it's a crime movie. It's a serial killer movie. It, it has echoes of David Fincher films, Seven, Zodiac. It, it feels like all of those things. And it's just a different version of Batman than we've seen. And, and that's not a good or a bad thing. And people will have their tastes because there are different flavors of Batman story. But I personally dig the really dark Batman stories, the ones that are really grounded, 
And this one, which is set early in his career, feels like a crime procedural. It, it, bring, it puts forward the detective aspect of Batman, which is the one that most gets left behind when you're making movies about Batman. Because, and, and, and the thing is, every filmmaker swears up and down that they're going to bring like the detective part of Batman out. And none of them ever do it. Christopher right. Nolan didn't really do it. Nobody, Tim Burton didn't do it. Nobody really does it. This one actually does it. And, and while there's still plenty of really great action, including, I think, one of the best car chases I've ever seen um, is in this movie. Um, it really puts forward his analytical skill, his, his detective ability. And, and most often those scenes, he's paired up with Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon or Jim Gordon, and they make a really great like duo together. Uh, those aspects alone, like that spoke directly to me, like seeing that side of Batman again, I thought was, I thought was great. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited watching it. Oh man, you're speaking my language because Fincher, I mean, Seven and, and Zodiac, are, I think are, are two of my all-time, like in our in movies that came out in our lifetimes, I think two of the greatest movies that ever made, they both get better every time you see them. And so to apply that, apply that to Gotham City, um, it, that that's fascinating. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and you're right. A lot of the other versions, I mean, I guess, I guess Keaton, we saw, um, there was a little, there was a little, a slight bit of detective, like in the Batcave, looking at the screens, and but it, this this leans into it all the way. It sounds like this and is so, him out there in the field doing right. detective work, not just like sitting right. in a Batcave looking at screens and punching buttons and like, oh well, that goes together. No, that's, <laughs> that's not detective work, as far as I'm concerned. This is like actual detective work. Uh, this is what that's what I was digging about this, and you know, and going back to kind of the, the Fincher comparisons, Paul Dano's version of Riddler feels like somebody's taken straight out of one of those movies too. I mean, it's not lime green suit, right. uh, orange hair, goofy Jim Carrey uh, Riddler, you know, or even like the cartoon versions of Riddler. This this Riddler is terrifying. He's, I mean, one of the earliest scenes we see him in, he just kind of emerges out of the shadows and beats somebody to death. I mean, this is <laughs> not your typical Riddler and right. his, his, his riddles, his, his, uh, they're not for kids. They're, there are puzzles to be figured out. There's ciphers. They're difficult, you know. And and Batman, like he's, like I said, I was he, I love the detective aspect of it, but he's still very early on in his crime fighting career, and he's not the brilliant mastermind that we know he will eventually become. He's still learning the ropes, and he's not perfect at this. And I like that aspect too. Well, there's so much in there that you wanted to say. Um, uh, I know we're we're, all, we're always ping ponging around because it's it's all it's all of a piece in our in our brains. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, um, but yeah, so yeah, but first of all, I guess yeah, let's 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 dive more into. You say it's his, you know, a, a slightly younger, earlier in his career, Batman. So Robert Pattinson, um, he, you know, as by this point, people, I mean, if, similar to Kristen Stewart and Spencer, I mean, I, their careers are parallel, right? What I, I've been I've been saying it. Wouldn't it be insane if 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 this month if she somehow pulls out, you know the oscar and, and yeah. pattinson has the highest grossing blockbuster like those twilight kids have have come a long way but but yeah. but i bring that up like by now he's way pattinson's way more than just twilight i mean the lighthouse which i actually didn't really care for but in tenet but my favorite was lost city of z but the, the guy the yeah. guy has really shown his chops but i guess so i guess just I. sort of sort of compare compare his batman to um you know adam west michael keaton christian bale ben affleck we've seen a bunch but how does pattinson stack up I like I look I was as skeptical of him being cast as Bruce Wayne as anybody but in terms of being perfect for this version of Batman he's right for it um like I said this is like year two Batman 
but this is also a Batman who is consumed, consumed by <laughs> um, by uh, his parents' death, consumed by their legacy, consumed by this crime-fighting obsession that he has, consumed by all of it. Um, so he's not he's not like some of the other Batman, like who you kind of learn to balance you know, the Wayne tech, the Wayne Enterprises version of themselves with the the crime fighter. This one has not learned that yet. Uh, this one has not figured out that balance. He is consumed by it completely 100%. And there's this thing about Bruce Wayne. I think Robert Pattinson kind of, kind of plays into it very well. In most versions of Batman, of Bruce Wayne, his money, his power, his privilege kind of it's it's seen it's, it's seen as a benefit. It's one of those things that helps him along in his in his career. It's not so much that here. It's it's more of a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got this it, it's a, Gotham City has this real eat the rich sort of mentality going on for it, and you see. And, and is is that is that off the heels of Joker? Like is that that same kind of eat possible. the rich? Well, I don't know if they if they that's a, that's intentional or not, but right. the, the the tone is definitely similar. Okay, um, and you see it reflected in other characters, in particular Catwoman, uh, Selena Kyle. Um, and Robert Pattinson really plays into the this privilege that he doesn't know he has. You know, he's he's fighting for these people that he doesn't really understand. You know, this he's very good at playing into that. And I'm not so sure uh, an older actor could have played that role the way he's doing it. Um, he's very intense. Like I said, he's consumed. He's very intense. In times, he kind of reminds you of his of his performance in Good Time. Which is another one of his best performances, and he's he's a lot like that in some cases, a little bit wild uh, at times as well, you know. And uh, I think he's for this particular Batman, for this story that they're telling, he was the right casting for it. Yeah, because like you're saying, we're seeing it's like Batman Year Two. It's not it's not exactly Batman Begins. It's not the yeah. straight up origin story, um, yeah. but it's we're like right at the very beginning. Yeah, grizzled veteran Batman like Bruce right. Will, like, uh, Ben Affleck gave you, or. Yeah or even the uh, Michael Keaton versions or any of the other versions. Yeah. They're just not the same. Yeah. And if, and, and honestly, if, if any of our listeners are like, ah, oh, Pattinson, Twilight, he, he's too young for this. I think, I mean, I looked it up. He's 35. That's older than Christian Bale. Was. <laughs> he's not that young anymore. No, neither are we, my friend. <laughs> uh, no, definitely but, but not. yeah, I looked it up. Like Christian Bale was like 31 when he did Batman Begins. Uh, Michael Keaton and Adam West were both like 38 or something. So he's not, he's right in there. He's not that it's not, it's not too far off. It's a it's perfect for this, you know, this part of the, where we're finding Batman in the storyline. Um, well, you mentioned you, you, you already alluded to it but paul dano as the riddler i mean i i'll be straight up i just as you were skeptical of pattinson at first and then it won you over i was when i first saw those you know those screenshot images of you know uh, the riddler with, with the modern mask and the coat and everything like i remember being really skeptical in, in fact i was like i almost like hated the look but then when i realized who was under the mask when i was like oh sh- oh crap it's paul dano <laughs> i got really excited because Man, Little Miss Sunshine, there will be blood. 12 years of slave, prisoners, God, prisoners, love and mercy. I mean, the guy's the girl great. next door. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, so, like, yeah, like, the, I guess prisoners is probably the most apt, you know, obsessed with puzzles and riddles. And so, talk about how, you know, unlike the, the flashier, cartoonish, colorful Jim Carrey, Riddler, and Batman Forever, like this Paul Dano, the, the prisoners, puzzly kind of guy, is perfect for the serial killer angle. Yeah, super creepy. It's a super creepy version of, of Riddler and Paul Dano. 
And I don't know if he could get this role if he hadn't done that performance in Prisoners, which mm-hmm. is, you know, which is, I think, I still think the best performance he's ever given was in Prisoners. And Dano is great for this role here. Um, he has these, he has these little he has these little quirks in the movie. I can't, I, I can't wait to see it again so I can look at it some more. But little things like, like his little glasses are over the mask, you know, over yeah. the top of the mask and stuff like that. And you're just like, that's just a funny little detail, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, he, he's totally unhinged in this movie. He kind of reminds you, he, he kind of reminds you of Heath Ledger's Joker in some ways. Um, and I'm, I don't know if that was intentional, probably not. Um, it's just a really ominous performance all the way through. Perfect balance to to uh, to Robert Pattinson's performance as well. They, these two play off one another very well when they get the chance to, which you don't often, but when they do, it really works. Oh yeah, it's it's a far cry. For, looks like it's a far cry from you know the original Joe, Riddler. You know, put putting putting Robin on the buzz saw. Yeah. Tune in next time, same bad time. I mean, it's it's way different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In fact, in fact, I don't really don't want to see that Riddler anymore. I want to see Riddler like this. I like this version of Riddler. Right. This one, totally terrifying, and you know, uh, uh, like I said, just a, a a creepy serial killer guy is just yeah. yeah. I like this version better. For sure. Well, let's let's go into a couple hit the other, a couple of the other baddies really quick because I know we have the Penguin and Catwoman, uh, which uh, oh, I guess both weren't both weren't in a movie together. Uh, I guess for the first time since Batman Returns. Yeah, uh, Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. I really dig her her version of Catwoman. She's sexy, but it's not overt. She's fearless. She's resourceful. And what I like about her is that she's like this perfect foil for 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 Batman because. He's so closed off. And in truth, Robert Pattinson doesn't have a ton of dialogue in this movie, which I think is perfect. I mean, it's yeah. great. Um, and she's such an open book compared to him. Like she'll talk about everything and everything. And she has an ideology and she has opinions and she, she can fight with him straight up. And, you know, she's, she's just a different version of Selena Kyle. And I like it. I like it a lot. It's so different than like the, and halfway version that we most recently saw or whatever it's just completely different which and, was 10 years ago which I is insane know, insane dark knight rises is that's that's ridiculous Christ, it's so <laughs> i still remember going to that screening oh um, dude I, oh yeah it, yeah if, for a slight tangent i think we all i think we all will remember it because remember the um aurora shooting happened right before and and right. and no and no joke i remember see i saw it at the uptown theater I guess we'd seen a screening before, so I knew it was about to happen. But I went again at the at the Uptown, and um, I literally remember sitting there. And as Bane, you know, as they're singing that national anthem, I guess it was like the it looked like a Pittsburgh Steelers stadium or something. Remember, and Bane is coming out, and they're going to explode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember sitting there, like, oh my god, looking at the exits. At is it? This is the oh, scene. Yeah. This is me the too. scene where someone will come in. You know. Yeah. Me too. I was the same way. Like, like you, you, they told you, like, look at look for the exits. You know, just in case. And yeah. You know, they were worried about the the sound of the gunfire in the movie and whether or not it would cover up real yeah. gunfire. You know, like, yeah. like just chilling. Christ. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It, yeah. it's nuts. How we get on that <laughs> again? How we get on that again? <laughs> I wanted to talk penguin. <laughs> it's crazy, um, but yeah, as uh, other other people in it, uh, you know, someone who was sitting next to me didn't realize that was Colin Farrell playing uh, Oswald Cobblepot, aka Penguin. Uh, penguin didn't realize it was him. He looked so different. Uh, with all the prosthetics, all the kind of stuff, he looks like like people have accurately said he looks like Richard Kind. 
the actor, um, which is <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, uh, it, he's he's great. He doesn't have a lot of time in the movie, but he makes the most of it. And he's involved in that car chase sequence, which, like I said, is incredible. Um, and uh, John Turturro is also really good as Carmine Falcone. It's, you know, John Turturro is one of those guys, man, who can make the most out of like three minutes in a role. He just, you know, he's just perfect uh, for playing that kind of slimy, slimy criminal that you see throughout Gotham City, uh, representative of everything that's wrong with it. Um, yeah, really great cast all around. And I love Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon. Uh, I want to see more of him as Jim Gordon. I'm hoping that he shows up in that GCPD series that they're doing on HBO Max. I don't know if he'll be part of it or not, but I hope so. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, like from top to bottom, you look at this cast, and and, and good, good for Colin Farrell. Um, well, just just saw him, just saw, uh, and, uh, just watched last night a movie, another movie that comes after out Yang. today after Yang. after Yang. Um, from Very Can cool. Can and Sundance, the sci-fi movie. So he he always shows up in in, in good stuff, but um. One of my favorite films at Sundance was after Yang. It's really great. There you go. We'll plug we'll plug that too. But 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 uh, it's cool seeing him take on this role. To me, I mean, Danny DeVito, I thought slayed it in Batman Returns, and I I can't remember who wrote it. But it Might have been David Thompson. I can't remember which critic, but they 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 mentioned Danny DeVito. You know, remember the the giant duck boat in the sewer and everything. Yeah. They uh, what was the line? He called that penguin um, Moses in Harry Limeland. Remember from the Third Man, the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, like and, you know tim burton always had his orphan you know theme so yeah that was that was that that was that penguin but now we got colin farrell as the penguin got colin farrell. his is his penguin has not yet become the penguin he's just he's still oswald cobblepot the series that they're doing with him is the is kind of the thing that kind of leads him to becoming the cool. penguin that we know right now he's still very much sort of a, a heavy for carmine falcone Hmm. Uh, but the the thing that just takes your breath away is that you can't believe that's Car that's Colin Farrell. Like like what? How's that even possible? So <laughs> just, yeah, great great stuff. Very cool. Well, I'm sure the the biggest character of all of them we've named a bunch of stars, but the biggest character has got to got to probably be Gotham City and the atmosphere and the direction. Like let's talk. I want to talk about Matt Reeves as you know we kind of went into the script with the mystery. You kind of already hit that, yeah. but just Reeves as, as like a visual, a visual, a visionary. Um, I, once again, just like my reaction to the Riddler screenshot, I initially was skeptical. Why do we need another Batman that we've seen so many justice league just had the re-release four hours, etc. But when I saw Matt Reeves, I was like, Oh my God, this, the, those planet of the apes, two prequels that he did. What was it? he did? Um, Dawn of the planet of the apes. And the Dawn and, and War. And yeah. I thought that that whole Cobra versus Caesar thing in part in that second installment is is one of the, some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. I think Matt Reeves but, has yet to let us down as a filmmaker. I mean, he did he did Cloverfield, he did Let Me In, which was yeah. one of the rare remakes that I think is actually superior to the original. Um, I mean, he's just a, an incredible filmmaker, and I don't know if he's the most dynamic like visual filmmaker I've ever seen, but but ever, like his stuff has power, and I, I don't know how else to describe it. Other than that, his stuff has power. Like everything he does, um, there's a lot of scenes in here that are that are very, you know, you, you think about Gotham City and you think dark and kind of gloomy and foreboding in a lot of cases. And yeah, you get that, but you also get sort of the seedy underbelly of it. You got this place that, uh, you know, you get this place that on the top or on the surface, you got uh, a lot of people running around who are who are wealthy and privileged and claiming to be everything that the city needs uh the future you know this the renewal is a theme throughout this entire movie 
Um, but underneath it, you know, you see those same people and they're not at all what they present themselves to be. And he has a way of, of depicting that, you know, in the lighting and the mood and the shadow, use of shadow is really, really good in this film as well. Um, his Gotham City, I don't think will be completely unfamiliar to people. Gotham City is a character in every Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that necessarily changes the character all that much though, other than adding like the the real outward ire towards the rich that was, I think, captured pretty well in Joker as well. Like you said, I think that that sort of feeling is still is very much captured in this as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Matt Reeves fan. How, how how would you and again, I know it's kind of hard to talk about on radio, but mm-hmm. like if you close your eyes and picture or is it like those rain soaked urban site almost almost like kind of like what Ridley Scott did in Blade Runner, but like that urban or Sin City or you know what I mean? How would you compare? I guess my question is, how would you compare it, looks, it to like looks, Zack Snyder or Chris Nolan or Tim Burton? They all had different visual look like Blade Runner. There are some Blade scenes right? where Gotham City looks like Blade Runner. I mean, and it looks but it's it's. It, he's pulling from a lot of different sources comic book wise like he's like visually and thematically he's kind of borrowing from the nomads land storyline and from some elements from the hush storyline and he's pulling from a whole bunch of different places um to cobble together his vision of goth of gotham and for his version of batman of course the batman year one comic books as well um to kind of put this movie together and i i personally think it works I'm thinking that it's probably going to appeal to hardcore Batman fans more than than most other Batman movies probably ever have because it pulls on those sources so so deeply. Um, and as for your like your casual Batman viewer, I'm curious to see what the full reactions to it would be. Mm-hmm. Like I'm curious to see if they're going to like this extremely gritty, grounded version of Batman. Um, this version of Batman where the Batmobile isn't a damn tank, you know, like, <laughs> like I was joking. I was talking with somebody uh, on, on my podcast the other day about the, the progression of the Batmobile. And like, if you go to Comic-Con, you always have like the, the bat, the Batmobile exhibit where it's like Batmobile through the ages, like every filmmaker's vision of Batman, bat, of the Batmobile. And like in each one, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and like more like a tank. And you're like, <laughs> that's not really the Batmobile. And that doesn't feel like Batman. This Batmobile feels like a car and it feels like it, it deserves to be driven by Batman. Like it's it's different, but it's really and like it's really gritty and grounded, like I said. And like the one aspect that that is like something from out of a superhero movie, it ends in disaster. Like it it, it ends not the way Batman planned it to. And it's like, I don't know if that was like a like a specific commentary or not but it felt like it at least to me <laughs> i mean i mean it, it makes sense i mean that, yeah i mean we, we that's what thanos gave us in in that in that big cliffhanger and that, i mean that's sort of it's sort of it's sort of where we are <laughs> in the world right now um but yeah well well very cool and i guess we'd be remiss i mean you mentioned you mentioned the the visuals and everything but part of the sensory experience is going to be the 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 amazing music that's been making the rounds on social media but michael G, michael giacchino i mean just it's, to remind our listeners he won the oscar for up he did all those other pixar movies like inside out and coco but he I mean, he's done more it's my spider-man homecoming uh, jurassic world star trek rogue one i mean he's done it all but how would you say this music compares to maybe Danny Elfman's Batman or Hans Zimmer's Dark Knight? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think this one kind of, and I, I love the score for this one too. It's very 
atmosphere could put you right in the middle of it in the middle of it but it feels like like the score for a horror movie at least to me it does nice um it feels like a score for something that is meant to scare the pants out of you and i think that's often what it is doing i mean it's it's meant to uh, draw up an image of of this place that is that is dangerous around every corner deadly around every corner and nobody is who they appear to be mm-hmm. and i think that's one of those things that he manages to capture very well in his score yeah, I mean, and I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for that Danny Elfman. That you know, this doesn't feel as quite as adventurous, though. It's not quite what it's going for. Right, exactly. It's a whole about capturing your different versions of Batman. Like I said, there are many different styles to Batman stories, and this is one that we haven't had a chance to see very often on a big screen, if at all. And I, I'm totally there for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You've been really generous with your time and I love catching up with you, but let, yeah, let's sort of, f- let's talk about a superhero movie, man. What, what else am I going to do? This is, <laughs> this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's, let's bring it, wrap it around full circle then, you know, and sort of where we started. So add up all of those element, elements we just discussed where, where does the Batman in theaters this weekend, where does it rank against Tim Burton's 89 Batman, Nolan's uh, Dark Knight trilogy, um, Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Snyder Cut, etc., etc. We had the animated series, which everyone loves. We had the Adam West old pal wham whammy uh, <laughs> series. Yeah, We've seen yeah. it all. <laughs> but against all of those, how would you rank yeah. this? It's right up there near the top or at the top. That's the way I look at it. Wow. You know, for me, it's, you know, I, I love the Dark Knight. Um, I'm actually more of a fan of of uh, Batman Begins just because I like origin stories. And it's just kind of one of my things. Uh, but I love all three of the Dark Knight trilogy. I kind of just look at them in one, one movie, if I'm honest. I don't like breaking them down. I agree. They're all like one movie. Um, and this one is right up there with them or, or just a little bit past them. I love Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, I think that might be the best just straight pure Batman story that's ever been adapted. I just think it's great. Um, you know, I, I, I give probably a little bit more credit to Zack Snyder's take on Batman than mothers do. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm not really a fan of the Tim Burton versions all that much. The 1989 one I like fine, but I was oh, also, come on. That's my, I was that's also my childhood. <laughs> I was also, yeah, I know, but I was also 12 years old. So I don't know. Oh, okay. If I still, I don't, in fact, I know I don't love them quite as much as I did back then. Right. But uh, Nicholson was so good, man. I don't like any of the ones that came after it either. So, uh, <laughs> so I don't like Batman Returns. I don't like Batman, uh, Batman and Robin. I don't like Batman Forever. Those are all awful to me. Um, but this one is right up there near the top. And I think, I think even though I'm going to go see it two or three more times, at least, uh, it's probably going to stay there near the top. Yeah. Wow. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I guess, I guess I should go revisit. Uh, it's been a couple years since I revisited the, the 89 Batman, but to me, I, I love, I loved that one. Um, just because yeah. it was I do like it. I know I'm saying yeah. I don't like it. I do like it. Yeah. I just don't know if I still, I don't, I know I don't like it as much as I did when I was 12, which is right. like, probably goes for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think a lot of our memories are, uh, except for wrestling, you're still on board. <laughs> wrestling, Which I like more. So uh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> So that's why I love talking to you. We can talk all that stuff. 
but yeah, I think a lot of the the um the the whole Batman myth is at least in 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 when people make their best lists against other superhero movies and other movies in general, a lot of it's so tied to all those Joker performances with Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix. Like, like rarely do superhero characters get nominated or win multiple Oscars at this point. Um, but so, do you think you know when we're looking back on this and you're claiming that you know that that the the Batman the new one is is just as good if not better do you think that it and the riddler and you know pattinson do you think that that can overcome all those great memories we associate with the joker ones like can it surpass it in in hindsight yeah i don't know man i mean that's that's tough look the dark knight honestly and and i love that performance by heath ledger it it has something a little extra going for it because Heath ledger passed away exactly um and i think we look at it even more fondly because it has that attached to it yeah. you can't look at it without looking at that you can't look at that performance without thinking about how it was like the last thing for him as well it's like it's like the rebel without a cause giant effect yeah. with james dean it's it just will, it elevates that will, be there. that will always be there yeah um i'm curious to see if paul dano's take on the riddler uh captures people's imaginations the way that that performance did um in terms of performances that you know it's very early on in the year you know how that can be um i definitely see some technical awards and some maybe production design awards coming for this um at the very least at the very least but box office wise, it's going to probably, do, do you see it doing, you, you mentioned yourself, it's going to, you're going to probably see it multiple times. Similar. Do you think, do you think, it, do you think it's going to equal like uh, what we just saw with, with, with the Spider-Man, the No Way Home? Like, do you think it could see, are we going to see box office dollars that big? I don't know if we'll see them that big, just because I don't know if Batman has that same kind of all ages appeal that Spider-Man does. I don't know if that, I don't know if that can happen, but can I see it? crossing a billion dollars doing like what joker did did anybody expect joker to make that money right i don't think anyone did i don't i think if you had if you had uh uh jabbed executives at warner brothers with truth serum they would have said no it probably would make half that yeah Uh, that a rated r movie and and that it would win venice film festival no one would have predicted that I, i think this can do what joker did wow i think this can do what joker did now that movie also had the benefit of some oscar buzz sure but I think this one has the benefit of um, a star that people want to see uh, more than they want to see Joaquin Phoenix and Robert Pattinson. And I think it also has the benefit of being Batman and not the Joker. So, uh, so there are some things working in his favor as well. So um, yeah, this, I think this can do what Joker did. Yeah. And to, and to your point of uh, this just dawned on me of, of, you know, in, in our comparison to, can it, can it do what the recent Spider-Man did? Um, Yeah. I guess to your point, yeah, it's, it's not like this movie is, is bringing back Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, you know what I mean? And, and, and Ben Affleck, they're all Adam West, all showing up on screen with, (laughs) with Pattinson. So yeah. Spider-Man had a very special gimmick going for it. Right. And the mystery of that, of that, of whether or not that was actually going to happen or not uh, going for it. So uh, it had a lot of things that working in his favor. Hats off to everyone keeping that under wraps, including Andrew Garfield. I remember we interviewed him right when he won Wafka. You might have too. And then he, he just was mum on that whole thing. So um, no kidding, man, he held on to that. In fact, he got angry a couple of times. People kept asking him about it. Uh, so yeah, good for him. <laughs> he should win the Oscar for that performance. <laughs> the, the, the behind the scenes. Tom for- Holland for keeping that secret. Cause he's bad at keeping secrets. We know that from uh, his, his, his Marvel, his, his time at Marvel. Good for him keeping that secret too. 
and Toby. I, I get. I hope we're not spoiling that for anybody. I think by now it's made how much money. I think everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, if you ain't seen it by this point, then you deserve to have it spoiled. So. Yeah, the, the reaction videos on YouTube are worth it alone. Um, there are things right. to watch out for in the Batman as well. So uh, keep on keep uh, eagle-eyed viewers should uh, keep their eyes open. Uh, there's there's some a couple things to, to to watch out for. That's all. With that, without spoiling anything, what are some of those? Th- how how can you say in general, ambiguous, non-spoiler terms of things that we need to look out for? I'll just say there are there are setups for for more stories to come with characters uh, that are very important to the Batman mythos. So that is the most I will say. I'm not going to go any further than that. Yes. To, re- <laughs> to reveal to reveal anything else would be a sin. So hey, yeah. thank you, thank you so much, Travis Hobson of Punch Drunk Critics. Uh, re- remind us, um, uh, where, where tell our listeners where we can find you. Um, you know, both with your your yeah. daily grind, but also your podcast, just everything. Sure. Um. Yeah, you can find me every day at punchdrunkcritics.com. That's the w- website I have been uh, writing for for 14 years now, which is insane to me. That we've been around that long um you can also find me my podcast is cinema royale which you can find at any uh any place you get your podcasts uh you can find me on weta channel 26 on weta around town and lots of other places too just joeblow.com where i have my own video series called real action uh and i narrate pretty much every video for that site as well uh so uh i do uh, i do a lot of different things got my hand in a lot of in a lot of cookie jars um so just type in travis hobson film critic and you'll find them all so there you go there you go and this weekend you'll also be on wtop after this interview (laughs) Um, very cool uh Uh, again trying to convince jason fraley to do a wrestling podcast with me but he won't do it Uh, (laughs) i I, dude i haven't kept i don't think i've kept up with it enough recently to to speak knowledgeably but if you if you want to you know if you want to have me on to talk a very you know the attitude era or something i think i could probably dive in and and talk about it (laughs) awesome man awesome well again everyone it is called the batman it's in theaters today uh so everyone go check it out then it hits hbo max i believe on april 19th but get out to theaters and, and see it uh before everyone else spoils everything. So, hey, Travis, thanks so much. Thank you, man. All right, I miss you, man. I'll see you soon, hopefully. You too. See you soon. That was very high praise from Travis Hobson of Punch Drunk Critics on The Batman, starring Paul Dano as the Riddler. I spoke with Dano back in 2015 when he came to DC to promote his Brian Wilson biopic, Love and Mercy, as well as his knack for choosing other great roles, including Little Miss Sunshine, There Will Be Blood, 12 Years a Slave, and Prisoners. Paul, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Thanks for having me. Um, now, I think you were born in 84, right? Mm-hmm. Same as me. Okay. So when did you fall in love with this music? For me, it was through, through my parents, but how has how how this music kind of just come down to our generation? How is it so timeless? Yeah, for me, there's been a few phases of, of the Beach Boys in my life. One is, you know, as a kid, probably just after Disney songs comes <laughs> the Beatles and the Beach Boys, I think. I mean, I feel like that's something that, that parents <laughs> might play, you know, in the car ride somewhere, right. Disney songs, and then eventually you get to the Beatles. And, and then I think in high school, I remember starting to play music, and I remember, you know, a few people who really, you know, seemed to know about music... Pet Sounds started yeah. to have sort of a mythology around it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember getting into Pet Sounds probably like late high school, early college, and, and being surprised that was not my memory of, you know, my kids' Beach Boys that, yeah. that I knew. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, a third tier for me, which is like obsessive fandom now, which is <laughs> from spending 
months and months and months listening and learning to play the piano and learning to sing these songs and it's a healthy um, really dissecting <laughs> them and oh man I love 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 it I mean I really do think Pet Sounds and Smile are, are two of the greatest albums ever made you know there's there's been nothing like it before or since um, and I uh, I'm so happy I got to spend a good chunk of my life uh, listening to that music it's so great um, when you're Obviously, we know you know that in movies, a lot of sound design is done after the fact, obviously, but when you're on set and you're asked to do those scenes where let's say it's the cl- clanking of dishes and silverware and you're hearing it in your head or or um or even or just the picking up good vibrations of the song ideas that are permeating how how was it handled on set is is there like is the director playing some music for you some sounds to to get those facial expressions how How do they do that on set well you know it, it all kinds of ways. I mean, this was a really spirited set because everybody loved and cared about Brian. Um, the studio stuff, we, we filmed in the studio. Brian actually recorded Pet Sounds in back in 1965. Oh, wow. So, And we had real musicians play the Wrecking Crew, the, the studio musicians, and some of them were his current touring band. So we were actually doing everything live. I mean, it was so spirited and so fun and delicious and creative um so the music stuff really took care of itself you know in some way some of the other sides of his life the the real struggle you know that was challenging um and it was uh wild to to be on this seesaw of of creativity and joy in the music and then real struggle and pain in 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 inside or in one's personal life um uh, I certainly use music to help me as an actor, um, but um, I don't, it's a collaborative thing, and, and frankly, I'm not always sure how, how one does it. You sort of, uh, you know, uh, hope and uh, throw yourself in. <laughs> now, when in the process uh, did you meet Brian? Did you meet him in preparing for the role or after the movie, or how did that work? I did, but I waited quite a while to meet him in, in preparation. I, you know, he was, I think, different in the 60s than he is now. And I also immediately felt with Brian that uh, capturing his his spirit or trying to get a bit of uh, soul was what was most important, not, you know, the external, the sort of any kind of mimicry or, you know, it was really, uh, he really felt like a special human being to me. And so I wanted a lot of time where I just took in the music and did any of the other research I had to do. And, And he's also a sensitive guy, so I... I only wanted to ask him stuff that I felt I needed to. Otherwise, I just wanted to really get to know him. You you know, he's trusting me to play him, so I also wanted him to know me. Um, And I loved meeting him. uh, And uh, the the most fun thing to talk about, surely, was the music. He really can, you know, light up and relax. And and then, luckily, you know, they were in their 20s when they were doing this. There was a lot of people I met and talked to who worked with him um, back then who are, who are still alive because they were so young. They were yeah, so young. That's the crazy thing about it. Um, what about you? And Did you have any contact with John Cusack in sculpting how you were both going to play the part, or were they done separately? And then We, were, we did it separately and, and sort of by design. Um, I think Bill, our director, uh, didn't think that we needed to meet and, and sort of consult about the character, and I think that's part of the the structure of the the film, you know, Brian did go into a black hole of sorts in the late 60s, early 70s, and and I play him sort of at the peak of his 
creativity and then sort of going towards that hole and, and John plays him sort of coming out of that hole and, and he is slightly different so um, I think it worked you know it, it's it was a leap of faith in, in everybody to trust that hey you know as long as we go after our respective Brian's it'll work out so it was a, a leap but I, I do think it worked it's a not many stories can cut together that. I mean, you're, you're you're wading into the Godfather two waters with that stuff. You know, you're, you're kind of, it's hard to do the parallel thing. But mm. I think I mean I just rewatched it again this morning, and it's it's a beautiful movie, oh, cool. absolutely. Um, and I mean, I really do. I mean, you mentioned how Beach Boys songs, it's like different iterations. There's like the, the poppy, fun, mainstream mm-hmm. stuff that you that catch on as a kid, and then you really grow to respect that. You know, the art of it as you get older and you study it more. Um, I've noticed the same thing sort of with, with the movies you pick, too. I mean, Scorsese said it was the, the eternal battle between artistic expression and uh, commercial imperative, mm-hmm. but how do you keep finding those interesting roles? Boy, uh, <laughs> you know, one, uh, uh, just trying to be myself as best as I can and knowing, you know, a character when I read it that I have something to offer it or, or it has something to offer me, because not every job does, frankly. Right. Um and, you know, um, so I, I think just trying to be me and, and then some of it is it, it choosing me. You know, if I had complete control over everything, you, 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 you know, it's um, that there's so many uh, factors that go into it. Um, but I feel very, very lucky. You know, I'm, I've really gotten to work with some some beautiful people and, and you know, getting to play Brian Wilson, man. Um, you know, I'm, I, I feel... I feel uh, I feel lucky. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure we got to wrap it up. Can, do you mind if we we end with a little rapid fire? I'll throw out a role, and you tell me a one word of what it reminds you of the just the process of acting or the working with that oh director. Boy. Yeah? Okay. So, Little Miss Sunshine. It can be a phrase at that. Be one word. I think l- learning. You know, being the young man in a van full of uh, some some beautiful actors, uh, you know, I just was thinking about, boy, how am I going to pull this off and just trying to learn. Yeah. There will be blood. Fire. <laughs> a fever dream making that movie. Desert, sweat, Daniel, Paul, just two of the best, ballsiest, you know, yeah. people you could work with. Uh, and just uh, you gotta got to throw yourself in and go for it. Yeah. Prisoners. Oh. Fear, that was scary. No, honestly, yeah, that was you know, uh, you know, to be reading, uh, to be in bed and reading about uh, trauma, or riding the subway and thinking yeah. about, you know, it's just not what you want to daydream about. Um, so, so that one was uh, particularly scary. Twelve years to slay. Um, it's tough. That's one of those funny things as a person where you go, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm certainly not this character in the world but I'm contributing to a story that is is hopefully you know um uh has a has a place in the world so you sort of do your part to be a part of something which is which is a funny compromise you know almost yeah yeah. and lastly love and mercy uh joy yeah yeah I just uh the music you know like I couldn't uh couldn't love it or or Brian more um uh and uh, so joy and compassion yeah Awesome. Well, all those we just named, I mean, somehow you have a knack for picking some of the best movies of this generation, so keep it up, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. 
Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.